0: Give me your name and title, please.
1: B. Saba Library System Director.
0: What is the most incredible library you have ever visited? Uh, Where was it and why?
1: Oh, my gosh. I've visited so many libraries. My thing is, I, I don't know if this is a librarian's thing, but everywhere I visit, every country, every city, I tend to go to the public library just to... Not just to be nosy, (laughs) but just to see what um, programming, what resources, what what access they have in their community. And it just gives me the opportunity to say, oh, this is interesting. Maybe this is something that I can bring to my community. So I think where I've been that's most interesting, Seattle Public Library is absolutely beautiful. Um, It is humongous. Um, And think about it, they have it. So there. (laughs)
0: Seattle is at the top of the list. It is. Perfect. Well, welcome to Brazos Matters. I'm Jay Sokol, and I get to visit today with B. Saba, community librarian for the Bryan College Station Public Library System. And just so people know, sitting across from B. is Lacey Lively, communications and marketing director for the city of Bryan. Lacey and I worked together for the city of College Station from 2009 to 2022, and Lacey's here to make sure that you and I uh, stay in our lanes, B. Oh,
1: I'm, I'm here for it, Lacey. Okay. Thank you for being here.
0: Yeah, thank you both for being here. So before we talk about our local library system, I want to talk about you, B, because we haven't met before today. And I know you have decades of experience in this profession and in some really interesting places. I think at least Pittsburgh and Savannah are among those. Yes. Um, can you tell me what drew you into this work and, and what your journey has looked like?
1: Of course. Uh, as ma- the majority of librarians that I've met don't grow up to become librarians. And actually my journey is similar, in fact, originally my journey was to be a pediatrician uh, mm. there was a family member who I looked up to grown up and I wanted to be just like her but through my journey in life and my education things changed as they all do so I actually pondered upon a a, a library when I graduated with my bachelor's I worked for a an organization that was affiliated with a public library, and the organization's name was Beginning with Books. And their emphasis is to instill meaningfully the importance of reading to children. And so that clicked with me right away. So I worked for them for five years, and there did I really connect it with public libraries and how significant it is in the community and its importance and its role in the community, and so that's where I then decided, oh, I wanna be a librarian, and with that, of course, to become a a professional librarian, you have to have your master's degree. So then I moved on and was able to uh, go and get my master's in library and information sciences, and then I became a librarian.
0: So when when that passion was ignited and you started being around that world, Mm -hmm. did you find yourself thinking, I want to be that person. I want to do what they do, or I want to do more than they do. I want to expand the the scope of this whole profession. Oh,
1: definitely. I wanted to do that, and then and then some. So I wanted to reach out to those who don't have access to you know just thinking outside the box. How can me growing up as a young person and and how can I get a lot of what. Others are finding in their public library, how can I have access to that um, freely? So I was thinking of all s- sorts of things, of what I can do once I became a librarian and how I can provide and be a co- contributor to the community. Well, where did you
0: grow up and, and were you a library patron when you were young?
1: Um, young, young, I was not. I'm, I'm originally Ghanaian, West Africa is where I was born. Hmm. So I grew up in, in Ghana and moved to the United States when I was 11 years old. So I came in, in New York City, of all places, wow. the melting pot, where uh, multiculturalism um, is. And so I came to to see what it was, it was like growing up in the United States. My parents were already here, so my sister and I were brought here um, to live and to find opportunities that they didn't have growing up. So I grew up in New York City, and I left New York after graduating from high school to see other places and to see what other cities were like and what other places uh, are are like living. So I ended up in Pittsburgh, Hmm. of all places, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and that's where I did my undergrad and grad school. And so there I worked for um, the Carnegie Library of Pittsburgh, and I worked for the Allegheny County Library Association, and that's... What I would say, my stepping ground, where I sort of gained my um, my not just my skills, but also my passion to be a librarian. Yeah.
0: So I know that every community kind of has its own culture and its own history, but I imagine that you have a certain philosophy about how libraries should serve a community. Mm-hmm. And and if that's true, the things that worked in Pittsburgh. Do those things work in Savannah and do those approaches work in Bryan College Station? You know, how do you how do you flex? When do you flex in a way that is kind of true to the place, but also true to yourself?
1: I think libraries are everything to all people. But at the same time, it means different things to different people. So we we adapt to the community. And so I think it's really important to note that communities are important and each community is different. So what one particular community in Pittsburgh may want is different from what a community in Savannah or a community in Bryan or College Station may need. So we focus in on what is important in the community, and then we provide those resources and the access uh, because we don't want to bring something in. And and my thing is try it. If it doesn't work, do something different. So it's important to find out what, the needs are and what our members of the community wants and need before we put something up up there for them that they may not necessarily be interested in.
0: How do you go about that? How long does it take for you to, to, to come into a community and figure that out?
1: Well, you have to get your feet wet. Um, I know it was tough during COVID because that's when I came. So I came right before the pandemic and I came, I think, a week and a half later, boom, Ugh. here we are. Uh, covid ninety uh, five so it, it yeah covid nineteen so mm-hmm. it was really s- scary because of course it was a time where no one knew what was what was happening so what we did was there's a lot of uh, talking in the library community in terms of what it is that we need to do because we were we thought also that we're we're important we are um, a service in the community that is needed, whether we were open or or closed. So during the pandemic, we were able to provide access and resources that we can still provide to the community even when we were not in person. So we did a a lot of programming, a lot of uh, virtually uh, through streaming. We did a a lot of uh, services. We expanded our collection, a lot of our electronic collection. We provided resources such as tutor.com to allow homeschoolers students who are now being being uh, educated at home by families to be able to have someone to turn to if they need further assistance with their homework needs so tutor.com is a resource where you will connect with a live person one on one and be able to uh, they can assist you with any of your um, assignments whether it's Math, algebra, uh, calculus, whether it's literature information uh, such as that, or just um, if you're looking for work. So it just makes it so much easier trying to find what the needs, and that's what the needs of the community needed at that time is because, you know, we knew what the situation was. It, we were in dire um, need of that, and so. Having that resource into the community was very significant and we work with the school districts to make sure that their students their teachers knew that we have all of that information available for their um, for their students
0: and does tutor.com remain uh, an it, offering
1: it did it still is an offering and yeah. we tweaked it a little bit because during that time we had it unlimited because we knew the extent of Of that, so we wanted to make sure that it was open access and that students are able to get it whenever they want. But now we've sort of since we've we are back in, and and that's what we do in terms of the needs of the community. When when I talked about how we we go about doing that during that time, we needed to expand it more. But now that we're back in person, uh, the unlimited is not so much. What um, the community needs, so we've sort of because all these things cost money, right? Mm. So we were able to to get a grant funded uh, uh, money for that. So now that we've kind of tweaked it a little bit that we it's still available and accessible, but not unlimited. And so we're we're so, sort of gauging and seeing what how much of it is being used, and then if we need to to increase access and we will do that so we're finding ways in which to kind of work to meet the community's needs that way.
0: Right. How has your funding model had to change at all during your time here? I I, I think the two cities provide a level of funding but yes. but that probably is not all the revenue that you need to do what you do. Is that Correct.
1: right? Correct. We are so grateful for because, you know, libraries are a service that both communities provide access to and through you know local government agreement. We have with both cities. City of College Station funds money through um, City of College, Brian, and Brian then administers the uh, day-to-day operation. But we do get funding opportunities also from grant, from private and federal funds that we we have in order to operate um, a lot of our programming that we do from day to day. I know our friends of the library; they're great support. Mm. For us, so we get grant funding from them. We get grant funding for our, our resources that we have, our databases that we provide to the community. So those also come from other sources as well. So, yeah, we're always uh, engaged in trying to, to see why other opportunities are available for us to be able to get those funding uh, grants to come in and use for our, our uh, services that we provide. Right.
0: So what have you found in your... Relatively short time here. Um, what have you found to be uniquely challenging about this community that maybe is different from other places you've you've lived and worked?
1: I think every community. I think what it is is change. You know, change is such a huge thing that, um, and even even when you're changing for the good, sometimes it's, People tend to want to always go back to what was. Yes. And so sometimes it takes time for them to realize. Oh, okay. Now that you this is being offered, or that this is a little bit tweaked. Some. It's not. It's not bad. It's just that times have changed. We're living in, in different times now. So we want to be able to, to um, use our resources well. And the the you know the, this is money that's coming from from the community and so we want to make sure that we're um, not just using them just to be using them but just so we have we're very mindful and conscious of what we're doing and using us to the best of our ability so I think that's the most most thing that I could say about something is to change right Mm -hmm.
0: so for those who may not know that there are multiple public libraries in our community, could you talk a little bit about what our library system looks like and, and the things that it offers?
1: Of course, we have um, three libraries in the BCS system. So as I mentioned before, we have the local government agreement between both cities. But in Bryan, we have the, uh, our what I call the gem of the community, our Carnegie History Center and the Carnegie History Center used to be um, the library in Bryan. Um, but um, it is now a local history and research center where we provide a lot of the research needs of our community. And it's so amazing how during the 150th celebration of the city of Bryan, a lot of the resources that we were able to, to gather to design the, the website Came from the Carnegie History Center. Mm. A lot of the, the rich history of, of Brian, all of that is archived and um, located at, at the Carnegie History Center. We have tons of community valuable community resources. That sometimes we communities like here you go. I've had this for for you know years, and is this something that you can use? Bring it in. Uh, we, we preserve, we archives all of the these information that we keep so that when businesses, you know, are trying to research something that perhaps took place 100 years ago, uh, we have it at the Carnegie History Center. So people come in and, and we have microfilm access. We have um, collections that, you know, school records, court records that have they've all been archived and a lot of it is easily accessible now through electronic uh, database search. So whether you are in uh, somewhere in uh, Canada or uh, San Juan or wherever you're able to search our catalog and be able to find that we have this information at the the Carnegie. So it's just a gem in in our um, community and a lot of genealogy research takes place there as well. So it's a very important uh, part of our our culture. Uh, The Clarabee Mounts Library is also uh, what what I call our circulating library. This is where we keep items that people can come in and come and check out. So we have the books. We have the physical materials. We have the video books or what we call uh, DVDs, uh, 3D, 3D, what what it? Audiobooks. We have um, a lot of our reference collection, but also it's a place where people come in to experience our programming uh, from babies through adults. Mm. Uh, so it's not just a physical place where you can come in and check out, but it's also a community center. We have meeting rooms that people, the community can come in and reserve to use. We also have a lot of our digital uh, collection online, so that's uh, accessible anywhere our community finds themselves at. So um, programming-wise, like I said, we have a lot of that going on. Uh, So it's book clubs, adult uh, art classes. We have uh, story times. We have um, play to learn, trying to bring families together, to find resources that they can kind of help them uh, educate and, and create a, a learning um, availability, a lear- learning place for their community members to, in their case, to be able to, to learn from.
0: If you just tuned in, I'm Jay Sokol. You're listening to Brazos Matters, and my guest is community librarian B. Saba, and she oversees the Bryan College Station public library system, and we also have sitting in with us the city's director of communication and marketing, Lacey Lively. What is the real state of public libraries? Because I can make some sweeping assumptions that, you know, maybe fewer people are walking in through your doors or that the shift from... Hard copy books to eBooks and audiobooks has been significant, or even that maybe the average patron skews a little bit older. But what might I be surprised that you and your peers are actually seeing and experiencing?
1: Well, you know, the tr- traditional library we support literacy, we uh, promote lifelong learning and reading. We're a community gathering space. But at the same time, we, we, people come in because they feel that it's a safe space. Mm. Um, they come in because they feel that we're not there to judge them. Um, they can come in if they want to read a magazine. They can do so if they want to come in and, and participate in a program. They can come in. If they want to just come and use a computer to look for a job. And a lot of that has been happening, where we're having to uh, uh, connect with our community members through hands-on helping them find work. Um, We have partnerships in the the community, so we work with a lot of organizations uh, that allows us to to sort of introduce them to what resources to the introduce the community. To what resources are available. Uh, whether it's through um, the Texas A&M, whether it's through Master Gardener's programming, um, whether it's for uh, play our Play to Learn community resources that come in to help our families learn about nutrition or how to uh, find resources for their infants. Uh, we we have all that and i just i also want to mention Larry J Ringer Library which is our city of college station uh, beautiful library that, that that was renovated back in 2019 yeah. and it double the size so we have uh, a youth services area that provides all kinds of programming on a day to day for our children but at the same time also our adult services um, staff also is there to provide reference, uh, research, and programming for our adult communities as yeah. well.
0: Before you and I started recording, I told you my wife is an enormous fan mm-hmm. and patron of our library system. And our, our son started out there when he was uh, just a little guy. But she, my wife is so excited about... The partnerships that you've established between our library system and the Harris County Public Library yes. and uh, wonder if you could talk a little bit about why a partnership like that matters. Of course
1: and I think one thing that people need to realize is access is so significant um, in our community. We have uh, of, of course every organization has a budget and we have a budget that we use for our collection for our physical books and our digital books, our electronic resources. So our electronic resources budget is not that great. And so trying to find ways to expand our collection for our community members to be able to have a lot of of opportunity and a, a lot of um, ways in which they can uh, read, whether it's um and, and we do have ebooks through our overdrive collection through Libby but um, the opportunity came speaking with the overdrive team of a way where I wanted for us to sort of reach out to the community further and, and see how we can access more collection and so through communicating with them we were able to um, we were able to to connect with Houston, Harris County Public Library in Houston, in, through this new program called Reciprocal Lending Agreement, to be able for our patrons to access their collection and for, for their patrons to access our collection. Now, mind you, Harris County, of course, you know, is a huge community. Right. And so their uh, budget for their electronic books is humongous. And so um, this isn't costing us anything. So why not? right why not reach out and connect and partner with an organization that they're wanting the same thing they want because the thing we have access to what we can order so mind you even though we have access to their collection our citizens our community members in the Brazos County don't can't decide what they should buy vice versa their community people cannot tell us what we should buy so we buy for our community at large here and they buy for their community, but we're able to access their humongous collection of electronic books, and so um, there's you can't go wrong with that, so that's such a great opportunity that we're, we're able to have. and This is the first of its kind in the state of Texas. Wow. And we're the only ones that so far have joined forces to do such a thing.
0: I imagine there are going to be other systems that that try to yes, duplicate this. And I'm sure
1: thing. there will be more libraries in Texas also joining yeah. this reciprocal lending agreement.
0: So with a, we have a little bit of time left. I wondered what you believe are some of the main issues that your profession is talking about and planning for right okay. now.
1: I think what... coincidence. We're getting ready to go to a Texas Library Association in um, April 19th through the 22nd in Austin. Every year in a city in the state of Texas Texas Library Association, which is the largest national association um, in the state gathers together with libraries of all shapes and sizes school libraries, public libraries university libraries um, special libraries to come together to join forces to find out what is happening in the library world mm-hmm. so we're getting ready to do that but one of the things that is being talked about now is just having people having the freedom to read and so there's uh the organization Texas Right to Read, you know, as uh, community members, we are, we have the freedom to read what we want to read. And I know there are a lot of um, national, state legislators and and bills that are being passed to sort of um, put restrictions on some of these um things and so a lot of us were trying to sort of just go out there and just to educate the community how important it is for for individuals to be able to read and 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 you know the first amendment rights we want to be to allow our community members to have that freedom mm. and so in particular the selection of the materials you know what one person may be interested in reading, others may not. And so just having the variety of of literature and a variety of books that are available and accessible to our community is very key and important. And I think that is something that we need all need to be um, focus on and be proud of that um, you know it, it 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 all comes down to reading and the importance of reading, especially from an early age. And so if we start limiting, what kids can and can't read, you know, it, it makes a, a difference in kids growing up and having passion for for literacy and, and moving on to bigger and better things. So it's important that, you know, to entrust in us as professionals that we also have uh, good intentions and we're trying to, um, we're not going to go, you know, stereotype kids wrong. We're providing information that we, we feel that is needed in the community. And right. so that's really important. Right.
0: So we have about a minute left. And I know one of the things that you've implemented most recently is a late fine amnesty program. Tell yes. me quickly about that.
1: We just want our books back.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: right. We have, um, and, and that's the thing, is every library is we, you, we put limits on on things and restrictions on, um, on on when items are due back which which is you know we want to have access we want everyone to be able to have access to what we have and so we we put what you call when you check out a book it's due back at a certain date and so when it's not due back we charge you a late fine yeah and so we want to and we we've realized that you know those limitations are are not really proactive we're really restricting access to our our community and so we're we're removing those barriers and and not not giving away the book for free but also being flexible and saying it's okay if you turn in a book late it's okay but at the same time uh, if you lose a book you still have to pay for it but you're not no longer being restricted on that uh, particular thing.
0: So people can find out more at your website, which at
1: is? bcslibrary.org.
0: B Saba and Lacey Library. Thank you so much for the talk.
1: Thank you so much, Jay.
0: Razzis Matters is a production of Aggieland's Public Radio, 90.9 KAMU-FM. You can learn more about us at kamu.tamu.edu slash radio. Thanks for listening.